Do you recognise that sound? I'm with Birdie Man, whose name is Tim Batts. Hello, Tim. Hi there. <laughs> um, how did it all start? What, the Birdie Man, the selling? Yeah, the Birdie Man bit. Uh, started in the um, uh, beginning of 2009, mm. when uh, I found myself uh, bereft of any funds whatsoever, and towards the end of my overdraft, uh, couldn't really get any more money out, and... Um, had to find a way of earning some cash mm. to get me by. So um set my mind to work and well I actually um I got the Argus I'd look look for I mean I've been a professional entertainer for over thirty years. Um a lot of my work in the corporate sector and uh coming up to Christmas two thousand and eight when the banks and the insurance everybody went tits up as we all know mm. um that affected me personally very drastically because um, the work that I was doing uh, for the Christmas parties and so on there were many cancellations um, and I didn't really have any other bookings uh, coming in in the new year for that reason as well Um, and literally uh, well it was the end of January because I had a really good year in 2007 um, uh, and of course I'm self-employed the income tax came the end of January 2009 for that yeah, and I didn't have the money to pay it. I was in a complete panic. I've never, you know, I've always lived very close to the margins financially with my family and everything else. Being an entertainer, you do. And also, I'm not one who's sort of wanted to be all show busy in that. So I don't go touring and, I, you know, I don't do like um, cruises and stuff that takes me away from home for a long time. I kind of love my family and stuff. So um, I've made a, a life as an entertainer without compromising that side of my life trouble is that means that you're scratching for money all the time so I've turned down some very big jobs for lots of money abroad um, because I work all over the world it's a visual what I do other than birdie man Um, you know I'm a juggler I do tricks and visual comedy and stuff Mm. Um, in my guise as Tim Bat is my stage name Um, so yeah uh, I just found myself without any work no bookings nothing in the book um, that uh, end of January I talked to my accountant in a great panic and he said come and see me and we managed to get a change in my liability tax liability because you know it's forward planned and oh, whatever anyway he, we managed to get a reduction there but that still left me with no money at all and um, my wife works she doesn't earn enough money to keep me <laughs> uh, so I just had to find a way so I went out I, 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 I spent a couple of weeks really worrying losing sleep thinking well you know I've only got three more weeks and if, no, if nothing comes in mm. cash wise then I can't get any more money out of the bank mm. and I've never been in that position in, since I left arts college you know so um, bit of a panic bit of a worry uh, and so I, I started looking well what kind of work can I get at my age because I'm getting on and you know, I've been self-employed all these years and the only options really, you know, are, and I'm not looking for a career because, you know, I do what I do. I'm not looking to change what I do. The only options, it seemed, were, um, you know, were cleaning, early morning cleaning, which I'm happy with, don't mind that. Care work mm-hmm. with elder, the elderly, which I couldn't do because I've kind of just sort of been not, well, it's, you know, with my mum and Alzheimer's and all that in a home, I thought, oh, don't, that's still a bit raw for me because mm. she only died a few years ago. So I, I don't want to do that sort of work. I don't want to work behind a bar, you know, because I've done all that. So what am I going to do? Well, I don't know, you know. And then I thought, well, this is ridiculous. I'm an artist, you know, I've got to come up with something I always have done. 
to earn myself a living without compromise that, that was within the bounds of what I like doing creatively and so with these whistles these Swiss bird warblers as they used to be called and still are oh dear we've, we've been joined what's the cat's name it's called Esme Esme yeah. hello Esme and she's just coming from the garden she's just sniffing her. yeah she's just coming from the garden with black feet from going yeah, on and all over me yeah yeah so anyway yeah um these Swiss bird warblers, I've learnt in nineteen. I learnt to do it in nineteen eighty, hmm. at the beginning of my career as a professional performer. I'd already been going a couple of years, but in nineteen eighty, I moved to London and um, uh, got a job as a court jester at a medieval inverted commas banquet oh, for wow. tourists. Um, so you were a real court jester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got, had a costume made, and um, and based on my juggling skills and and the some routines that I'd written about the history of juggling and so on like the history of the yo-yo and I mean all stuff that I've written but you know so I was doing a presentation and I wanted a trick which wasn't juggling and which wasn't one of my other things yeah. uh, maybe a magic trick although I wouldn't call myself a magician but I, I have a couple of great magic tricks which I present really well mm. um, but that's kind of fits into my overall title as trickster I call myself a trickster to avoid preconceptions of what people think a juggler is or a magician or a puppeteer these are the things that I do so I call myself a trickster because it encompasses everything mm. um, and I walked into this shop looking for a trick for my court jester um, Davenport's magic shop I just moved to London heard of Davenport's went up there opposite the British Museum it was then it's at uh, Charing Cross railway station now underpass um, there was the old man behind the desk doing this what the hell's that and at the same time he had a, one of those rubber pigeons that oh, magicians yeah. use and he yeah. was just playing around with it and I thought oh I love that so you know I thought, is it coming from the bird and he looked at me with this daft expression on his face no movement of the lips at all twittering away and I said what are you doing AJ? and he showed it to me and I went oh that's the thing yeah. for the jester you know so I, I bought one well I bought several actually because you know he said well they wear out so mm. I thought, well, if I buy a few, I'll you know get the hang of it. Mm. And lo and behold, um, I got the hang of it really quickly. Some of my customers do. Hello, customers, anyone listening? My birdie man customers. Um, I have some experts around Brighton, you know. But anyway, I was one that I picked it, and then um, I started using it uh, when I was a jester, strolling about, not in in a uh, a set piece presentation. Mm. Uh, I've never used it as a as a as a piece in that respect like a routine I've always done it on a strolling basis um, so it was, a, it was a supplement to your court jesting yes exactly exactly it was a supplement to that and um, went down really well I mean and I, I I wrote a little routine to go with it where I've got a little bird and well I won't go into that because it's, it's all visual really um, but ever since then 1980 um, I've used it when I tell you what it's great at exhibitions I, I, you know I represent some companies at exhibitions with products get people to their stand but also I can mingle around an entire exhibition hall branded mm. doing stuff on the move which I'm sort of speciality specialist at mm. doing visual tricks comedies balances and stuff on the move um, this whistling is, is a great thing for places like that and shopping centres because everyone looks around it echoes there's a bird in here <laughs> and there and they're looking around looking around and then I turn around the corner of their stall mm. with this stupid little um, latex bird that I make a little budgie 
you know, um, and then they go, no, it's you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and like, they get a laugh, you know, they get a laugh. And then, uh, as I always tell my clients, I say, well, you know, people remember the things that make them laugh. Mm. So I try and get the brand together with the, you know, this mm. has come, you know, you've had a laugh. That's thanks to T-Fowl frying pans or what, whoever. Do you know what I mean? It's totally yeah. irrelevant to what I'm doing. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I, and I became more and more expert at it. But then I, I went back to the magic shop. I bought 400 of them. Mm. I thought that'll keep me going. And it did. They lasted me about 10 years because mm. I was only doing it, you know, and not, I don't always do the gesture. I don't always use the whistle you know I've got other characters and other performances that I do and so there might go a couple of months when I don't use it and then I get it out in it goes so oh yeah 400 lasted me a good 10 years then they ran out I went to get back to get more I went up to Davenport's mm. uh, and I got um, in touch with some other magic suppliers and they didn't have the make that I was using ah. the and I bought what they had rubbish broke in an hour flat and I, I do it really hard they've got to be well made mm. and also as a professional you've got to use a prop that is absolutely 100% uh, consistent mm. you know uh, and so I tried several different ones and I had to give up the warbler whistling because uh, I, I just didn't find any that were properly made I even had a, a friend of mine uh, George Cavari he's getting on now bless him he's retired and he's had a stroke but he's all right actually uh a, 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 an illusionist who's been who toured the country for years one of the last variety acts and he had his own illusion show played brighton many times george Gavari. um he's a magic dealer as well and we became friends because we worked together um and he went over to the states and he kept his eye out for me he discovered that the ones my original swiss bird warbler was made, manufactured by a man in Japan who had a little machine. Mm. They have to be made on a machine. You can't get the tension right without. Um, he died. No one took over. And that was it. So for literally 12 years, I didn't have... I, I just stopped doing it, right? Then, fortuitously, I did a, one of the few corporate gigs that didn't get cancelled in 2008, in November, with a great magician called Peter Metab close-up magician these guys that I work with on this you don't see them on telly or anywhere right but they are fantastic they are great artists mm. that I work with on as close-up artists at corporate events you know they don't need to do anything else what they do doesn't really work that well on telly and they're not ambitious in that way but this particular guy Peter Meta, wonderful wonderful entertainer and I was doing a show for him and he said oh you still do because I was known for this whistling even though I didn't do it as a main thing it always made a big impression because no one else, people hadn't heard it mm. and no one else was doing it. And he said, you're still doing that bird. And I told him the story that, you know, I couldn't get him. And he said, you know what? I was at Camden Lock Market a couple of weeks ago. There was some, someone selling them up there. I said, well, I haven't tried those. Mm. He said, I'll get you one next time. And a, a couple of weeks later, just before Christmas, I uh, got an envelope and it was this, it was this version of the Swiss Bird Warbler, branded differently, called Birdie. Mm. Um, I tried it. This is it what I'm using fantastic suddenly it was back in my repertoire so it was as good as the original one yes yeah. indeed yeah. Uh, it was as good as not better than as good as mm. which was good enough I mean they are great you know where you can hear you know mm. um, so I fantastic you know I can do it again in my show and then you know I was starting to get the collie wobbles around Christmas because I thought this has all gone tits up and I don't know if I'm going to if nothing comes in for January I'm really buggered here for, for work mm. Um, and it was around then that I thought, well, maybe, you know, I could sell these. And then it got more and more, you know, towards the end of January. 
February, I'm getting more and more worried. And I thought, right, I'm going to get in touch with the manufacturer because I, I sent off and I bought three direct from him just to keep me, you know, for mm. professional use. And then I thought, you know what? I wonder if he'd sell me wholesale. Mm. And, and I thought to myself, could I bring myself to go out on the street and, and sell them, you know? What was the worry for you when you were considering, when you were thinking to yourself, can I, can I bring myself to, to sort yeah. of go onto the streets and sell this thing? Yeah. Well, it's the old ego, isn't it? Mm. It's the ego. Where, whereas doing street shows, you know, that is a recognised, you know, and a good street show. You can't, you know, any, anyone who's seen a great street show gives you such a wonderful feeling. It's a real, a real profession. I mean, a, and, and a very demanding one. You know, it's, it is really difficult thing to do to do a good, effective street show. When I say effective, I mean get a crowd in the first place, mm. hold them, build them, and when they're at their maximum and you've done you know, your best stuff, mm. they so love you, they want to give you their money out of their pocket because they went, you know what, that... I forgot where I was for 20 minutes, mm. 30 minutes, mm. you know, and that's the Brits are really good at that. If they see something good on the street, they do cough up. You know, it's not just... But if it's rubbish, they won't. If it's rubbish, you won't get a crowd. Um, you know, and all that. So I've got all those skills as a street performer. Um, but the idea of just walking around with this one trick and nothing else and selling it, then I had to regard myself uh, in a different context, mm. not as a street performer, but as a street seller. Um, and of course, then I have to rethink, well, my image, who I am, uh, putting myself out there. I know a lot of people in Brighton, you know, an artist who's worked, you know, not all over the world, but very, very far afield on many occasions, you know, from Japan to Iceland and India in between. You know, I mean, I've been all over the place um, performing, representing my country for the British Council, uh, British Board of uh, trade or commerce whatever they're called the British tourist authority as was to visit Britain I was there like comedy mascot for six years mm. all over northern Europe Scandinavia and Iceland every year mm. touring doing exhibitions doing street performances um, doing cabaret for the travel trade people delegates you know all that stuff you know it's a bit of a come down isn't it to be walking around your town flogging stuff you know what I mean? Yeah. Being put up in lovely hotels, signing for everything and, and getting paid decent money to walking around town for whatever you can scratch. That's mm. what I mean. Mm. It's difficult. Because um, your ego takes a... You know, I mean, I'm not... I know, I'm, I'm pretty realistic. I know I'm, I'm just a jobbing artist, you know, mm. a jobbing performer. But when it's good, what I do is really good. I mean, I pride myself on it. I think it's fantastic what I do. Not all every time, but... You know, I, I do rate what I do. So, yeah, it was, a, it was that. But, you know, once I got out there, I, th I just told myself, right, well, if I don't come out here, you see, I can't sign on. Mm. Well, I could do, but then I'd have to, like, stop my self-employment. Mm. You know, as a self-employed person, you can't really sign on mm. and then become self-employed again. Mm. You know, it doesn't... You, you, I, I, there's, no, there's no safety net for me. Mm. Um, and as long as I kept telling myself that... So, I set... So I, I girded my loins and I thought, all right, let's get out there. And once I've made that decision and I committed my last couple of hundred quid I could get hold of to buy wholesale from this lovely man in Holland that manufactures these birdies, mm. he was reluctant to sell wholesale. 
although he does all around Europe, but he's just wary of who he has. And he refused. But then I, and I spoke to him on the phone and I said, you know what, I really respect that because he gets ripped off, you see. Yeah. I said, I really respect that. But I said, look, I'll, I'll send you a, you know, I'll, I'll, I want to order half a dozen anyway because I use them in performance. Yeah. But I just said, have a look at my website anyway. And he had a look at my website, which is timbat.co.uk, and that's all my professional stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he emailed me straight back and apologised <laughs> for saying that he wouldn't sell wholesale to me. Yes, of course he will. He loves what I do. I'm exactly the sort of thing that fits into the ethos that he has as a street seller. Mm. Um, so you can buy as many or as few as you want wholesale, no problem. Um, and that's... So I thought, all right, I spent my last couple of hundred quid, got a stock... I had to go out. If I didn't go out selling them, you know, I backed myself into a corner, basically. The ego had to take second place, you know, right? So uh, here I am, big international cabaret stage, you know, star of street, blah, blah, bollocks, uh, walking around town trying to earn a few bob. Um, But uh, it worked. Um, the, The fact is, I reminded myself that if I wasn't doing this, what else am I going to do? I'd looked into those possibilities, mm. you know, work behind a bar. No, I don't want to do that. Um, cleaning, wouldn't mind. Mm. Care, that sort of area, not really. Mm. You know, what else am I going to do? All right. As long, and so I set the bar that low with regard to, all right, if I can earn the um, minimum wage mm. per hour doing this, mm. right, then... I will feel that I've achieved something. Uh, and I went down, plonked down at the end of Sydney Street outside uh, Juju. You know, the little square there with the, uh, between Kensington Gardens and Sydney Street. I know. Yeah. I just stood there. I, I made a sign. You know, once I committed myself to it, mm. the old, you know, got over the ego and thing. I thought, all right, well, how am I going to make this work? Mm. How, how, how am I going to go about this? Because I'm, a, I'm an artist, right? I'm not just going to stand there like the bloke at Camden Lot, leaning in, in my jeans and my T-shirt, whistling, not relating to anyone. Mm. Not, you know, I'm a performer. And also, not only that, I perform actually with this. Mm. So I've got a repertoire of what I do with it in my mouth, and, and I really am an expert. So I thought, all right, well, I've got to be a bird watcher then, haven't I? And then I was thinking, all right, all right, I, I will... So as soon as I started thinking, right, it's not me... Right, mm. it's not Tim, or, or it's not Tim Bat, the, the juggler. It, it's me. Uh, as long as I could get over thinking that it was me, so all right, I'm a bird watcher. Okay, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Brighton character. Mm. That's what I am. I'm a urban bird watcher. So th- th- then the rest of my image obviously coalesced around that quite it's very quickly because I've got all these outfits mm. from performing, and I thought, all right, well I could wear that. Oh, and I've got that. You know, those uh, plus twos, those trousers that come down, that, that, that tweed, which I've n- I bought, but I've never actually, I've only worn for one gig mm-hmm. when they wanted a, a, a country gentleman for a job. I only wore it that once, and I thought, oh, it's beautiful. Um, mm. uh, Donegal tweed, you know. I thought, well, it'd be nice to sort of dress up. You know? So I didn't go out in that straight away. I went out smart, and I, and I made a sign, because I thought, right, it's got to be quite high above my head, mm. because people look up for the bird. And if then they come down looking around, then it's got to be prominent. If I'm amongst, because I'm quite short, if I'm hidden behind the crowd. Mm. So I thought, right, well, that's the first thing I've got to do. So then I made the sign. Then I thought, right, well, I'll call myself, I've got to call, all right, call myself Birdie Man. That's nice. You know, and, and, then, I th- and then gradually the details 
uh, over... The details slowly came through. Um, the main detail that altered the way that I did it was the fact that, right, and I'm sure some people listening to this will agree, this can be really annoying. Mm. In fact, there are people around town who would like to shoot me. You were attacked by a load of zombies once, weren't you? I was, actually, yeah. Oh, no, that was great. <laughs> now, that was just fun. That was a fantastic, the, the zombie walk, you know, we all know that. And I just happened to be doing, I was whistling the theme uh, Thriller on me, on me whistle, you know, as they were all on the other side of the road coming down uh, North Street. And then one of them spotted me. <laughs> and, oh, oh, bloody hell, what's going to happen? And one of them, you know, did his zombie walk off the curb into the road the traffic stopped and then uh, <laughs> then everyone followed across the road and they like in on day I was attacked by zombies we were there I remember you it were, were you we were just by were the you? first one of the, the first I just remember seeing you sort of disappearing under this pile of zombies yeah. it was so funny I mean, and it was I think it, I did hear some cheering actually yeah oh yeah you would have done you would have done I mean not my, that I cheered myself no, of my, mostly mostly I get affection you know I get affection mm. Uh, in town but there are some people that really hate it but nevertheless I know it's really annoying right and so you see without knowing anything about it when I first went out to that pitch down there I just thought right well I'll, I'll stay here you know so my sign was on the ground and I you know it was sort of held it on and, I was, and I'd made a, a little base for it so that I could sort of hold it and have it in my crook of my elbow because I need both hands free to demonstrate and to sell it was high above my head and I just stayed there of course after an hour the poor lady in Juju came out, for God's sake, you know, bless her. She's really nice as well. They all are around there. They're great. Uh, but she said, you've got to, you know. And so uh, she, called, she called the security guys and they come over and very politely said, look, you know, you're going to have to... You're going to have to go elsewhere with this. You know, they, they, we've had a complaint from there. And I thought, all right, fair enough. I'd already decided the moment anyone tells me to or complains, mm. I go. Mm. I don't argue. I'd already, in my head, I thought, right, I know how annoying this is. So the moment anyone tells me it is, asks me to stop or tells me to piss off, I will. Mm. And I won't engage with them and I won't argue. That was my default mm. I had in my mind, right? Uh, so I moved to the end of Bond Street. Of course, the poor lady in the pub on the corner there. You know, got on her wick. Oh, for God's sake. So I realised, I thought, well, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't carry on with this because everyone's going to hate me. And, um, and so I went down the seafront and, um, you know, that was better because, they, you know, I wasn't annoying anyone because it's broad, it's open. And there was just people that lived in, is it Cavendish Mansions, opposite the kissing statue. They didn't like it. And they come down and say, oh, look, can you? So then I'd move, you know, and then I'd move back. And then, of course, I got moved by the seafront managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, this this isn't right. And then I got stopped down the seafront by the managers. And, and I thought, you know what, I want to look into this now because I kind of committed to it. You know, I had to I had to be allowed to do this. So I thought, all right, I'm going to find out. And someone that my friend, the guy that I was buying off in Holland, he said, you ought to look into this. There's a peddler's license or something you can get in England because he's been over and worked here. Um, and he discovered this and he said and so I just looked into it you know I googled it peddlers and then lo and behold I came across all the information about it uh, and um, found that you you applied through the local police station who uh, um, had to ha- who would supply with a, an application form for a peddler certificate mm-hmm. um, and then when you signed up for that and so I, I applied for one and then I got all the details back and I was told what the um, restrictions are on it uh, 
and then I realised what I was what I would have to do to do peddling legally now the main point of that, of that is that you don't stay in one place yeah. right and so I thought alright well fair enough I don't want to anyway because I know it gets on people's nerves and I don't want to alienate people yeah. but I was still overcoming this ego thing about being so I thought staying in one place then I'm kind of not quite so um, so so visible to everybody and I kind of still feeling that I was I didn't really want to be really seen to be doing it I, I was still a bit you know self-conscious let's say about being a street seller you know just because of the my perceived come down from being a the artist you know the, the performer um but then of course i read i saw about the restrictions of the peddler certificate and that you had to be uh mobile at all times mm. you are allowed in brighton and it varies around the country you, in brighton they allow you 20 minutes in one spot and then you have to move mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're contravening the um, the guidelines, not the law itself, but the guidelines of the local constabulary will allow that. They don't now. They've changed it, actually. But nevertheless, it's discretionary, and they don't hassle people if there's no problem. You know, They're great, actually, like that. So I had to think, all right, well, then I've got to be mobile at all times. By then, I've been doing it for a couple of months without a licence or anything, um, annoying people and thinking, oh, I've got, this isn't working because I don't like that aspect of it. And if I was them, I'd feel the same way, you know, and I'd get annoyed and I'd tell you to go away and then you come back and I'd get annoyed again. So I thought, all right, well, being mobile at all times, it, it could work for me. It could work. I just assumed that when you're selling something, you've got to be in one place so people know where you are, right? But the nature of this whistling, it's different, right? And I thought, all right. So I walk around, and I really am like a bird watcher then, because that's what bird watchers do, you know? They go to where the birds are, you know, they walk around. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll do more with regard to the, the, the outfit. And it was then that I put on my knee breeches and so on, and I devised this method of having my sign... Um, attached to me I, I devised a like a, a, a sling thing yeah, it's a bit like the olympic flag bearer exactly it's yeah. like a flag bearer's thing yeah uh, and it's but it's attached to the cross um mm. strap of my bag mm. which i got in my favorite shop snoopers paradise um love that place mm. uh and this this was something i got for my work because mm. i do i do a character called undiana jones you can guess what that is, can't you? Yeah. yeah. When the films come out, shopping centres and so on, mm. they want. So, and I and I look. You know, I, I don't shave for a couple of days. I've got the right hat. Mm. I actually don't look a million miles from from Harrison Ford when I'm. You know, although I'm a bit younger, not much younger. Um, and I've got the I've got the cost the outfit. Mm. I take a I, I take a, a whip and stuff, but I don't use. You know, but I've got my puppets. My, my animals that I've got and I've got you know I've got various so Undiana Jones yeah, but and I bought me Undiana Jones bag at Super's Paradise but I thought oh, you know what that'll I could use that and it's got a cross strap so I rigged up this flag bearer's thing across the side and I thought well I you know the stick that I was using on the ground this isn't really uh you know, I can't sort of sit this in that way. And I thought, oh, no, what a, it, what, you know, these things are so obvious. Mm. Well, you know, they seem so obvious, but you don't, until necessity comes knocking, you don't necessarily, I thought, oh, I've got that, I've got a fishing rod, fishing for cash. <laughs> ah. And of course, it's little, little things like that, that suddenly I'm not just thinking, oh, I don't really want to be out here doing this. It's like, mm. I want to be out there doing it because is this rod going to work? And yeah. the idea of fishing you know, together with bird watching, is obvious. You're the sort of gentleman that might watch birds might just as easily go fishing. Not the sort of person I am. Mm. I don't do either things. 
but I can look like that sort of person and I can act like them in a in a in a uh, affectionate parody, right? Because I don't mock people. Mm. I'll parody him in the way that I do. So then I thought, then I started getting excited about it, mm. right? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a proper, I'm going to do a nicer sign and I'm going to tailor it. I'm going to make it with proper fabric mm. and I'm going to do nice lettering and I'm going to cut it out and I'm going to stick it on and I'm going to, and it's going to look lovely and it's going to be sat on top of a fishing rod. Mm. And I'll leave the, uh, I'll, I'll leave it obvious that it is a fishing rod, but not that obvious because I like giving little clues because people like you and some of the other people around town they clock these details mm. right mm. and they'll give them a little chuckle and they'll get it certain people get it right all right so he's not a real bird watcher but all right he's got the binoculars right which of course are like toilet rolls yeah with with those <laughs> funny lenses on the end i mean they take some making mm. right um but they you know there's his binoculars and i woke up you know when when i become creatively focused on something like this I, you know, it, it kind of, whoa, here we go. You know, you get lots of ideas and, and suddenly you get the, the key ideas for the visual gags. So um, the, the binoculars, then, then came the, bin, you know, so the fishing rod, fishing for cash, got to have binoculars because I'm a, a, a bird watcher, you know, slung around my neck at all times. And then I thought, right, what can we, and I don't know why I thought thought of it, but I had this vision of me looking up with these binoculars and them coming apart and looking in two different directions. I thought, what a, what a funny idea that is. So I made them, so they, so they, you, I, I pull them apart, not obviously. Mm. Be, anyway, so I'm holding them and they look like proper binoculars, right? And then it's, not ju- it's quite specific, this, this joke, this visual joke, because it's aimed at the one person who's looking at me who doesn't know that I know that they're clocking me. And it can be from a long way away, mm. right? A long way off. And I know, peripheral vision, I know they're looking at me. I never, I never address, look at people directly when they're doing that because it puts them off. Mm. They're less likely to approach me if I'm going, wave up and go, come over here, come on then, you can buy from me. No, you know, Brits particularly, mm. they'll look and they'll come, you know? So... The binoculars, I'm looking up in the binoculars, they split in two and you're way over there. They look, one of them looks directly at you and it tickles you. It does. It's funny. It's just funny. Believe me. If it happens to you when you're out there, you'll see what I mean. Right? There's that. And the other factor about thinking, right, I've got to be a peddler. So the jokes, the, that joke, I've got a couple of others now that gradually come up. Uh, the outfit, the fact that it's not a performance, that was a key thing that I had to overcome because I am an artist I am a performer and it's very difficult not to go into performance mode you get people's attention suddenly you're doing a show especially as a street performer Mm. you know Um, I had to be very strict with myself because it performance gets in the way of sales right Mm. and this is all about I have to be there for making money I'm doing it it's a pleasure as well Mm. but I have to be there because I'm earning money now if people have stood around watching me be all funny and that then it turns into a show and I've got to bottle them. In other words, I've got to pass a hat or I've got to sell to them. Now, the people that are watching me being funny are not the people who want to buy a whistle. The people who want to buy a whistle come up to, you know, want to buy a whistle, right? The others just want to, will have a little bit of fun and a laugh and engagement, but they're not going to, if I don't then turn that into a 20-minute performance and gather a big crowd, then I don't earn any money from doing it. So I had to write, don't do any tricks, Mm. right? Don't do anything that's, 
you know, so looks like it's supposed to be a, a comedy routine or something. Just instant gags is all, right? So the binoculars was the first one I thought of worked. Then the idea of this walking around. So I've got my fishing rod. I've got my, my sling. got my binoculars. Um, so the next key discovery, I, you know, I tend to sort of wake up in the, you know, the middle of the night. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, right? Was the sign. So I've got my birdie, birdie whistle, mm. three pounds, so with an you know, that's arrowed down mm. the, the fishing rod. So I've got to have a, something that makes it explicit that I am selling. I'm not just doing a couple of tricks that are funny or I'm to be looked at. You can buy this, right? So obviously because the price is there. And then I thought, right, stop me to buy. Mm. If I have that in big letters above my head, that says it all. And as I'm now a peddler and I'm having to walk around, I'm mobile at all times. The idea of stop me to buy yeah. is logical. It makes sense. It doesn't need explaining to anyone. And it saves me any hassle. Did it make a big difference? No, didn't make a big difference. But it allowed me to, in with regard to sales. Mm. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have done the walking around bit without this stop me to buy. Mm. I mean, I did a couple of times, and I thought I'm wanting to say I'm, I'm wanting to make it obvious to people that here I, you know, mm. and but it didn't. It was only a few days. Then I thought stop me to buy on the sign. Mm. That makes it clear course and then i did it all nice i you know i i tailored it mm. which took me another week to do all the lettering you know by hand and glue it on and make it nice colors and mm. so on um and the right size and just above my head just below this you know get it all right in proportion as well mm. proportion is very important because you know the the um the sign is part of my outfit which is part of the, the whole concept it's, it's a you know i mean it sounds like i'm making a big deal out of something which is really quite pathetic and simple but that's the way i come up with it but gratifyingly as i say people do get it you know as mm. as, a, as a piece of performance as a piece of art you know that people do get it with from the way from from my intentions are gratifyingly understood by others and appreciated by others you know for what they are so i mean i'm not saying it's some great piece of art or anything else it's an annoying little thing this bloke walks around flogging whistles but it is a piece of work for me because I'm an artist. This is how I work. This yeah. is the kind of work I do. It's the kind of work I did when I was a fine art student at Brighton in 1975. You know, yeah. this. If I was my, if I was that 19 year old, right, walking around Brighton as I was then on my foundation year, um, and I saw me, I'd go, "That's fantastic, <laughs> that guy." You know, I really would. Mm. And consequently, you can tell I, I'm very proud of it. You know, and the way that it's developed and so gratified, you know, that that um, that I've that I have created something that uh, I was reading one of these streams on 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 online um, about me. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's nice to be the subject of other people's discussions and artwork as well. I've, you know, in fact, I've just got an original piece of artwork there by bloke that's done a comic strip about me well I was going to I was going to ask actually because yeah. I was going to ask the question I was going to ask yeah. was what doors has this opened but I think a better question is what doors you, it closed you, 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 <laughs> no, no you've done films and things haven't you I mean have you had much uh, coverage from the media um, well well you know I, I'm out there and, I, and I'm open to it mm. uh, and because uh, what I do comes from let's say an aesthetic point of view I do have something to say about it um you know, it's thought about, and my work. I'm, 
you know, it's a, it, it, it's a parallel existence to, you know, everything else that I do, mm. uh, which helps financially subsidise. In fact, at, at Brighton Festival last year, I mean, one of my, the, my, the lines I was saying while I was out, um, as Birdie Man, on the top of my sign, I can put the Tim Bat Trick Show uh, logo mm. for my stage show, and I, I can leaflet at the same time, you see. But it's really good leafleting because... Mm. It's a children's show in theatres that I do in the, in the festival. So now, you know, this is one of the more recent additions is the old, is the old duck quacker. Mm. You know, and I, now I have this in my hand at all times. And any time a kid looks at Birdie Man, I do that. And they always laugh. And they yeah. chuckle and they do that lovely thing that kids do. They do this little shrug and they look away and sometimes they go red, you know, and the parents always laugh. And, mm. and then I point to the sign saying, duck quackers, £2.50, mm. right? And I've only been doing that for a few months. But again, it takes a long time for these little additions. So, you know, my range has started. Mm. Stuff that I sell, I've started to think about, not just this one whistle. And the ducks, since I started using them and now I talk to everyone so I walk past a lot because I've got to know all these wonderful traders in town you know they're great characters and mm. and you know they're all right birdie man <laughs> you know I do my quack back and you know that's mm. become a little trademark I walk around you know I quack rather than talk which is n- nice for birdie man you know uh, but, for, but for children you know then so I get the attention I can give them my my publicity for my stage show and they will actually read it as opposed to like, oh, another handout. You know what Brighton Festival's like. You, mm. You're offered them all over the place. Now, you know, mine are actually given to people who are already interested in what I look like and what I'm doing and have seen me around. Oh, oh, you do this. So I say recommended by Birdie Man. Or, but, uh, and what I was saying when I was leaving, saying, well, you know, this show, it's a children's show, sub, it, it, it's subsidised by Birdie Man, which is true. You know, what I, Birdie Man has enabled me to not, again at this late stage of my career, to not compromise. In other words, let's say, for example, um, you know, there are avenues I could go down. I could do children's parties uh, as a performer in their homes, but I don't do those. Mm. But having said that, if someone sees my stage show, then they know what I do. They ask me if I would do their children's party on the basis of what they've seen. Yes, of course, you know, and I'll do it cheap, uh, locally, you know, I do like doing them, but what I do on stage is quite big. It's a stage show, and um, you know, I don't do a lot of things that children's performers normally do. So I could be disappointing because I don't do balloon models, for example. Mm. I don't do fun and games. I do lots of fun, but I don't do games. Mm. It's interactive, but I don't. You know, so um, don't do those. Uh, don't do lots of other stuff. But this birdie man has allowed me to continue struggling along mm. and I you know I'm getting bookings I'm still getting them there are about the corporate work is I did a corporate day at um, Ascot Races week before last mm-hmm. not really a corporate day it was their public day but you know I was booked there as Tim Bat to go around do tricks around you know and then of course the next day I'm not going to get paid for that for at least six weeks mm. Sunday uh, the, the following day I was back out to earn my cash in Brighton mm. you know um, doing my tunes and doing a few jokes and engaged mentally mm. Uh, open to the possibility of other other gags and just encounters with these lovely people around Brighton and quacking at the kids and you know yeah. it's fun and I've, I've really got to enjoy it you know I'm a happy bunny out there yeah. you know when, I, when I'm walking around um, I keep, I, it's, it's difficult sometimes if I don't sell anything for an hour which is sometimes the case 
it gets a bit of a trudge, you know. It really does. It for God's sake, someone, mm. you know. <laughs> you got all these different personas. You got like um, Tim Bat. Would yeah. you say that out of all of them, Birdie Man is the closest to the real Tim Bat? Ah, oh, that's an interesting question. Hmm. Blimey. Wow. So that is a really interesting question, um, and I think it's and I think it's I think the answer is yes, actually, because I I'm not putting on an act. I'm, I'm the only act I'm doing is the whistling, right? Mm. And that's not really an act. The clothes going out in the out. I wouldn't. I don't wear my birdie man gear. I don't wear those outfits mm. when I'm not working. Mm. Uh, my wife would kill me. <laughs> she wouldn't go anywhere near me. But she's not ashamed in any way. She's, she's actually rather proud of, of what I've come mm. up with here, mm. actually. I mean, and she's not in, in the slightest embarrassed about it. Uh, bless her. But then she's known me. You know, I've been a street performer when we met. Mm. I was performing when we met, you know. Mm. Long, long to 1981, for God's sake. But... Um, uh, in as much that uh, I'm a, you see, I'm a very private person, and I've always, div- I've always had a disjunction between my professional life, which is very public, and my private life, which is very private, and I've never wanted them to to cross over. So I'd never be. I mean, I did loads of kids telly in the early eighties, and uh, there's a little bit, little bit of an idea of doing some presenting and so on, and I thought, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Mm. It's not based on something outside of me. Uh, I'm not very good at remembering stuff. I mean, I'm fairly eloquent when I'm engaged in what I know, mm. but otherwise... Mm. So um, I, there's always been this, this gap between uh, the performing me and, and the me that's not performing. But um, in answer to your question, I think because Birdie Man is out there for like three to four hours at a stretch, you know, that's an epic performance to be, to be playing a character... I mean, my performances, my stage show is an hour for children, which kills me. It's all physical, you know, rope spin, juggling, mm. oh, the lot, you know. It's a killer. Um, street shows similar, when I'm mingling around, close up, say, for corporates and so on. Again, it's, it's the tricks, you know, and it's the presentation, and I walk away from it, and I'm all quiet, and I don't really want to talk to anyone afterwards, you know. But Birdie Man for four hours at a stretch I've got to be really relaxed within my skin mm. uh, and I think that's perceptive of you I think for that reason it has to be uh, the nearest um, because I'm chatting as me to all the people I encounter in the street it's not an act you know mm. and when people come over to me you know I don't put on an act as a bird as a bird Mm-hmm. as a twitcher as a bird watcher mm-hmm. because I respect them uh, and I'm not I'm not taking a piss out of anyone as I said before it's a, an affectionate parody mm-hmm. and the twitchers that I do know they get it they look at my binoculars they laugh oh you're not really one of us mm-hmm. type thing but then they'll engage they'll, I'm fascinated by this stuff mm-hmm. and also I'm fascinated by the characters that are out there in, the, in Brighton who uh, you lovely people of Brighton will have seen these people around and maybe wonder or maybe you don't you ignore them or you don't see them but I get to chat with a lot of these people and they approach me mm-hmm. or I acknowledge them and these are these are street sleepers and, and so on who've all got their 
amazing stories um and for some reason they feel because i'm 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 a street person as well there there's a, an empathy with 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 myself and and with birdie man and i do call it birdie man and some i mean some of the people i see regularly my friends in the shops now who i really feel have become friends you know who i see and spend time with and go and see when i'm not working and that and chat um you know they they sort of they they can see that i'm i'm not putting on an act and 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 stuff because for for for, to, for being out walking around your hometown and i see a lot of friends about you know, and whereas I, I, to begin with, I was a bit self-conscious when I'd see friends, other artists that I know, oh, look what I'm doing, and I and I was really defensive about it at first, and I'd be saying, oh, I've got to do this because, you know, now I think, you know what, this is a really great little performance, this is a great little thing I'm doing, I'm really proud of it, mm. so I'm happy, you know, for anyone who knows me, and, and so I've put it out there a bit, so with the website and the film on the website, you know, it's obvious who it is. This is Birdie Man is a creation of Tim Bat. Mm. It's more akin to my. Well, it's kind of half. It's a halfway house, maybe. That's the answer. Yeah. It, it, it's certainly it's nearer. But then, as an artist, as a performer, and I'm sure lots of comedians and people that you know, someone will tell you this that that have worked for th- as long as I have over thirty years. You know what starts off as like artifice and uh, style, um, gradually. You know, you can't just keep that up. And it's a lot easier to be yourself sometimes than to pretend to be someone else. And so my performance now that I do uh, in on the street, in the theatres, has become more me than, than me pretending to be someone I'm not. That just happens with a mature performer. I'm quite sure of that, you know. Um, I mean, a bit different for me because um, it's visual, it's tricks and so on. But I'm talking more for the stand-up comedians, I guess, really, you know. And certainly to answer your question in a very long-winded way, um, yeah, Birdie Man is nearer to me than the others, but the others are nearer to me as well now. Mm. Um, and I'm completely at ease with it. Mm. Uh, and um, in a way, Birdie Man has taught me that uh, actually, you know what, you can... You don't have to do all the the big stuff. You still can be amusing and do something, even with the the, mo- the minimal mm. props and so on. Because as a juggler, it's all about the props, stuff, what you do with them. You know. Mm. Just tell us before we go yeah. the your various websites, Tim. All right. Well, it's timbat.co.uk. That's T-I-M-B-A-T. dot co. dot uk. That's got like that's what I do. Uh, that's for my performing. Uh, and it's got, if you click on, in particular, uh, background, there's a, there's background information on each of the different areas of work that I do. And that, for example, if you click on Street Performer, you get my history with Covent Garden from 1980 and what it was like then and so on. Uh, and then it's birdyman.co.uk, which is B-I-R-D-Y-M-A-N.co.uk, which is just a page to complete. I thought, you know, I've got this thing, but I've got to have a website. I've got to have the name. Uh, it completes it as a piece of work, and then I made a film. So on that, on the Birdie Man website, there's uh, there's three clips of film. One showing exactly how to do the the birdie whistle. Then there's Birdie Man around Brighton, which was shot two years ago, completely un you know it's just edited live from mm. two hours of live following me around. Everything that happened is spontaneous and as is, completely unrehearsed. Mm. And then there's another one which I asked the, my mate who did it to to just feature is how to tie a bow tie because. 
I just do that while mm. on on when I, we were out filming, and I thought, you know, it's quite a nice one to some people quite would like to know how to tie a bow tie. Mm-hmm. And then that you can follow the links to Vimeo where there's other footage of uh, my stage show and so on. On the bird on the Tim Bat site, if you go to the Tim Bat Trick Show, there's a little video clip on there of the children's show. There you go. Well, Tim Bat's Acca Birdie Man Acca. I've forgotten all your Tim other ones. Bat. <laughs> Indiana Tim Bat. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Casey the Kemptown Cowboy. They're my favourite. <laughs> Don't forget the Prince of Fools. My, my uh, Tudor jester is still going. Thank you very, very much indeed. Well, thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. <coughs> right, I think I'm going to have a walk around my park now, around Queen's Park. <coughs>